0: Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 820, 945, and 1110. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-prez.org. Well, friends, open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. As we continue in the front part of this letter... And our passage this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 to 24. And as we open our Bibles, I want to greet those who are gathered in the Aspen Room. Glad that you're here with us worshiping this morning. And uh, I know that's an exciting place to be, over in the Weber Street Center. And uh, we're glad that you're there worshiping with us. So our scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 to 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful... Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes In Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it that it, was not in, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith you stand firm. Lord, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would allow us in your mercy and your grace to hear from you, each one of us, to know that you're here, to know that you are for us, and to trust you with the promises that you've made. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have a hard time keeping promises. It's too easy for us to to break a promise. Things come up. Just look at all the ways we try to solidify our promise. I don't know when the handshake uh, got started. A long time ago. But don't you wonder about the first couple of people who decided that grabbing each other's hands and shaking them was a sign of a sure promise? The ancient world had wax seals and solemn rites to make promises sure as we have electronic RSVPs. Click here or we click yes, no, or maybe on our Facebook events. Big contracts used to involve lawyers and be signed in triplicate, but last year when we bought our house here, we didn't even sign anything. We typed our name on the computer screen and chose the font. Seriously. I was surprised. But when a promise is serious, we need serious help keep it. We need those supports and buttresses. When it comes to marriage, for example, we don't just say, I want to be your husband today. We need to say more than that because how can I know that my inclination will last more than a day? I might want to be your husband today, but how can I speak for the 20 years from now me? Will he want to be a husband to you on that day? So I make a promise. I make a a covenant. I covenant to be a husband with God's help. When the president uh, took the oath of office to be sworn in, he placed his hand on a Bible, two of them actually. There's nothing in the Constitution that says uh, that you have to do this, but almost every president has done it. It's as if to say without saying it, unless God helps me, I can't make these promises stick. We have a hard time keeping promises. But God's promises are not like that. God's promises are sure. When God makes a promise, the promise is as good as the event itself. God's Word is sure and certain, and He needs no help to keep His promises. As His worshipers, as His disciples. Wherever we gather, we gather under the promises of God made sure in Jesus Christ. But even more than that, we are commissioned to carry the promises of God out into the world. We are sent into the world as those who know the promises of God are sure. And we are sent to meet and to tell uh, those who have little or no hope that there are promises that there's a God in heaven whose promises are good and whose blessing is sure and who has never, ever failed to keep a promise. That's our message. As Christians, uh, the good news is we're not a movement of, of liars either. This message that we have, that we're on a movement to share with the world, it has the added benefit of being actually true. There is a God in heaven whose promises are sure and certain, and we are not just the passive recipients of God's promises, but we are a movement like a river carrying the promises of God to the dry and weary lands, meant to bring the promises of God to the hopeless between the first letter to the corinthians and the second letter to the corinthians paul's reputation has been under siege in corinth paul planted the church with the help of priscilla and aquila and silas and Timothy, but after they left, detractors came in behind them raising all kinds of questions about Christianity, about the message of the gospel, about uh, what Paul and, and his friends had said about Jesus, even about the personal character of Paul himself. Pastor Kent Hughes put it this way, they called the message and the messenger into question. If Paul was for real, why was there so much suffering in his life, they asked. Also, why was his ministry so lackluster compared with the ministry of others? Why was his preaching so dull? Why did he change his travel plans if God was actually directing his life? Moreover, what lay behind his refusal to accept payment for his services as most preachers did? Was he actually really collecting money for the poor? Why didn't Paul have letters of recommendation like the others? Why didn't he regale them with stories about God's power in his ministry? Was it because there were none? All of these challenges rolled in against the character of Paul in order to detract from his message. And we know that all these challenges were there because we see them answered in this letter, 2 Corinthians, one by one. But the effect was to erode confidence in Paul and to erode confidence in the truth of Paul's message, to erode confidence in the promises of God made clear in Jesus Christ, and Paul couldn't let that happen. Look again at our passage this morning, it's odd, isn't it? You have to understand Paul is answering a particular charge. His travel plans didn't play out the way he had promised or hoped, and Paul is forced to defend his change in plans because this simple little thing is being used to vilify him in the church. But what comes through clearly is this, Paul doesn't care as much about his reputation. What he cares about is that the people know who God is. Watch how he pivots to the real point, verses 17 to 20, was I fickle? When I intended to do this, or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes." For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You see, Paul's change of plans was really a very small thing, but it becomes an occasion to make a very big point. Human leaders may disappoint you. Have you ever experienced this? (laughs) Why is the choir laughing so loud? (laughs) Human leaders may disappoint. It's shocking, but it's true. Even Christian leaders may disappoint. Maybe you've been disappointed by a pastor, by a teacher. Listen, if you hang around long enough, one day you'll be disappointed by me. I guarantee it. Amen. Mark it down. Now, listen. Don't let a moment's disappointment in a human leader become a lifetime of walking away from God. Human leaders may disappoint. But here, Paul did nothing wrong. The charges were unfair. And so, Paul takes the opportunity to pivot and talk about God. Verses 19 and 20, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been what? Yes. yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, yes in Christ. What on earth does that mean? Jesus is the ultimate yes man, No, it doesn't mean that Jesus always says yes to whatever you say or ask or do. What it means is this, that Jesus is the ultimate, cosmic, universal affirmative, affirming God's love and blessing and intent to restore and reconcile you, your life, the whole world which he made. Jesus is God's yes to all that he made. Jesus is God's promise and God's promise is sure. Jesus is the promise of God. Emmanuel, I will be with you always. I will be your God and you will be my people. Jesus is God's promise, his very name. Jesus, I will save my people from their sins. I will pour out my wrath no longer. I will redeem my children. I will seek and save the lost like a shepherd. I will restore human flourishing in my city. I will establish my kingdom, and my kingdom will have no end. Jesus. Jesus is God's yes. Jesus is God's everlasting eternal, unchanging, unwavering, undeniable yes. And let's not forget Jesus is able to be the yes of God because he absorbed the no of God. God says no to injustice, no to hatred and sin, no to disobedience and rebellion and spiritual darkness. God pours out his wrath on unrighteousness. That's God's no. Jesus absorbed all the no of God when he went to the cross on Calvary. The no was poured out on Jesus so that we who deserved the no could live in the yes in Jesus' name. God says yes to you now because he said no to his own son on that day. It's a lot to think about. This is one of those that you go home and and you think about a while. If you haven't underlined that passage, it's worth it. This is no throwaway sentence of Scripture this morning. It's actually very close to the heart of the whole deal. In Christ, it has always been yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And I'll say this too, although you'll have to write this down in your journal. Think about it, I think. Argue against it. But let me say this before we leave this verse. Every true desire in your heart is met in Jesus Christ. Every true longing drives us to Jesus and in Jesus Christ, it is always yes. So Paul says, that's why we say amen. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. People, we get to say amen. 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 Amen means, so be it, or let it be so, or so it is certainly true. We get to say amen in worship. Amen. Why? Because if we know God, we know his promises are sure. In every other arena of life, we wonder, we wonder, we wonder if our boss will follow through on the promise made. We wonder if our political leaders will follow through and do what they promised. We wait and see. Even if our friends, we wait and see if our friends will show up at the time and the place uh, that we agreed to meet, you know. 5 minutes in, you think I'm texting you, where are you? Are you coming? Even in our most sure relationships, our most treasured relationships between husband and wife, there is some degree of uncertainty. Will he keep his promises to me? Will I be able to keep mine? But with God, in a world of shifting sands, constantly fluctuating loyalties and promises blown by wind and weather and waves, with God, we find a certain and sure foundation, a rock, a bedrock to build our lives upon and rest our souls on. So we get to say, Amen. We get to say, Amen. It is certain, God is true, Amen, spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen is a good gift. Nothing resonates in our soul as much as the surety of God. God makes his promises known and certain to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verses 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. It's God who does this. He anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. See, God does not leave you wondering. God does not leave you wondering if the promises are sure. The same power that hovered over the waters at creation, the same power that inspired and illumines the Scriptures, that called the church into being, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and lifted His body up and emptied the tomb, that same power, the Holy Spirit, is a seal over us, a guarantee, a deposit. We are anointed and sealed in the promises of God by His Spirit within us. Sometimes when I talk to to couples about marriage, we talk about marriage as, as two people holding a rope. If one drops, the rope falls. But with God, it isn't like this. He sends his spirit into the children of God, into the believers. And so he is holding the rope at both ends, you see. He's not relying on me to hold the rope. He put his own spirit within me and his power holds the rope on both sides and I'm rescued and I'm held by his grace and power, not my own. Praise God for that. And so we know the promises of God are yes in Jesus. So we can say amen and we can know the presence of the Holy Spirit binding us to him by his power, not ours. Now finally, I, I've, uh, I've worked myself out of time a bit, but. I want us to capture the larger theme here. Paul didn't just say, I have this faith. He didn't just say, I have this message and this message works for me. No, he said, this is a message I'm bringing from God. We're a a movement. We're on a mission. God sends his people into the world to declare his promises, to be a light to the Gentiles, salvation to all nations. This is a movement, a mission. And don't you know someone, just think for a minute now, don't you know someone whose heart is broken by a broken promise? We live in a a hope-deficit kind of a world. Broken promises hurt, and they create hopeless hearts. I have friends who are foster parents to two girls, sisters, and... um, been caring for these girls for some time and after months of progress my friend said that the girls started acting up really disobeying and and crying and just being big trouble it was like the first week that they were in the home all over again they felt so discouraged like all the love and the care and the consistent parenting that they had provided was all out the window all of a sudden and they went to the the foster agency officer and asked about this and and she said to them oh i see she said, You see, this is as long as these girls have ever been placed in a home. You've reached the, the limit, and something within them is telling them that they're not going to get to stay. This is new territory. You see, it's a it's a hope deficit. It's a the watermark on their hope deficit from promises unkept. Friend, outside this world, this is a hope-deficit world. There are hope-deficit people sitting beside us in worship this morning. Even in our own hearts, there's a, a watermark. We're not sure the promises of God extend past that mark. I think we stop trying, we stop moving, we stop bringing the message of Christ to those around us because we forget what lostness really feels like. We forget what it feels like to live life with a hope deficit, sure that no promise can ever be kept. Friends, when we gather here in the presence of Christ, we get to say amen. We get to know that the promises of God are sure. There is a rock, a certainty. There is a God whose promises are true and whose spirit holds us steady. We get to believe that this universe is not just a random concoction of shifting sands. We get to see that Jesus Christ keeps his promises and claims us for eternal life. We get to say, amen. Amen? and your friends and your neighbors and your children and your grandchildren, they need to say amen to. They need the solid rock of Christ to stand upon, to rest their souls. Resolve this morning. Today, resolve. I will not rest on this rock alone. I will go and bring promise to the hopeless. I will go. I will find a way to reflect the surety of the sovereignty of God, the surety of His promises to a hope-deficit world. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Lord, we thank You that all of our longings come home to you, that every promise you made, no matter how many, every promise finds its yes in you, Jesus Christ. And as we wait and we long for those promises to come true in him, Lord, encourage us, send your Holy Spirit, anoint us and seal us a deposit, a guarantee that we can walk every day knowing that you will not fail in all that you have promised. And send us out to the world To speak the same good news to those who need it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.